0: Hey there, restaurant pros, it's Dave Scott-Peters, and welcome to episode 34 of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom for your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Today's topic centers on the crisis of mental health in the restaurant industry. Our guest today is Azizi Marshall, founder and CEO of the Center for Creative Arts Therapy, an arts based psychotherapy practice and training center in Chicago. She helps empower businesses and organizations to reduce turnover, increase employee satisfaction, engagement, and retention, reduce stress, increase resilience, and improve mental well being so everyone can thrive. Azizi holds graduate degrees in community health and theater. She's been featured on Oprah Magazine, CNN, NBC News, Thrive Global, Bustle, Reader's Digest, The Huffington Post, Chicago Tribune and Glancer Magazine. Listen in on our conversation where we talk about how you can recognize and support team members who may be struggling. I want to welcome Azizi Marshall to the show today, but first, A word from our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by Repeat Returns. If you're a restaurant owner of a medium to high volume independent restaurant, multi-unit or franchise operator, and you're looking for a proven and realistic solution to attract, grow and retain customers, then you need to visit Repeat Returns. Repeat Returns is a modern marketing platform created by a restaurant owner for restaurant owners. It studies each customer's habits and patterns, predicts the most profitable outcome, for your restaurant every single day and deploys the marketing to make that happen. You'll never lift a finger. To see if Repeat Returns is right for you, visit repeatreturns.com forward slash DSP. Azizi, I want to welcome you and thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, David.
0: Well, this is a big topic. Now, you and I—little little, little disclosure—we met in a coaching group that we both belong to, and developed a friendship at some level. And heck, my daughter goes to Aurora University. You're out in Chicago area. We sat, had coffee, my wife, you, and I, and it was really a pleasure to learn more about what you do, and it inspired me to bring you on today, because. You are somebody who really could make a difference in the restaurant industry, and and that's why we're here. And I want to really dive into, it's really about mental health. And with with all of your experience, what do you see as the challenges in the restaurant industry? Because I see it every single day from people really struggling uh, just to to cope with what's going on in their life, to high rates of alcoholism and drug abuse, um, to just, disorders that are that are literally not not seen and it, and there's this stigma about talking about it and so on so I really love for you to tell me based on your experience what do you think some of the major mental health challenges are in the restaurant industry?
1: Yeah I can definitely speak to just experience in working front of house and and seeing a lot of the stressors that were happening in the the back of house as well where there's this, this rampant need to achieve all these things in a very tight, tight, constrained timeline. And the pressure to get it right and perfect every single time. And then customers now, I, I, the shift with their mental health too, when they're coming into the restaurant and, and expecting all these things. And the expectations have just grown and grown and grown, yet nobody's been able to take care of themselves. And this existed, you know, pre pandemic, just the stressors of working in the restaurant industry in general, and then add all of this stuff on top of just survival mode, that now people are having trauma responses on a daily basis. And so that's what I've been seeing, is the trauma responses are leading then to people having these mental kind of breakdowns where people are talking about having panic attacks all the time, or um, one person I talked to said that they go into the cooler to cry in between, you know, just on their breaks. And it's not even a break. It's like the two minutes that they have between making another dish for some other order that comes in. So a a lot of it is coming from this, this pandemic stress, but then also the culture that existed prior to the pandemic. And so it's just compounding on top of each other, all of these mental health challenges that people are experiencing and not knowing what to do with it.
0: Well, you talked about the pandemic. How's the pandemic impacted it? Because I sit there and I see it with my own children that they are, especially my daughter who lost her senior year in high school and how it changed everything. And she was working uh, in the restaurant industry and and the, from customers coming up and having to call the police this summer three times because at a little coffee shop, a drive through like how what is going on and, and people calling off just because they can't handle it. Like, how has the pandemic ramped things up? Because you're right. We had a problem in the industry before the pandemic, but now it seems just like at a crisis level. Well,
1: what's what's happening now is I I like to call maybe a few months ago, we were in the eye of the storm of the pandemic. And this happened with um, Hurricane Katrina, with 9-11 that people were surviving, they were in survival mode. And that's where we were, we were were surviving, we were getting through it, we were doing what we needed to do. And now we're coming out of it in some ways, and we're able to just somewhat let go of all of that traumatic responses. But once people start feeling safe, now all the stuff that they've been experiencing is coming out in ways that they can't even explain. Um, It's coming out in anger, it's coming out and lashing out at people, it's coming i'm just the the just the the rampant struggle to survive on a daily basis and then now going okay now i'm supposed to go back to normal what is even normal now so so that is the challenge as people are coming out of this pandemic that have lived in this trauma response for almost 2 years now and they're finally able to just breathe and now they have to deal with everything that they just went through that they weren't processing
0: now I, i'm no clinician but I see it every day. I talk to people every day, and and it's almost as if I don't know. Eight out of ten people I know at some level are suffering from some level of depression. Is that accurate? Am I over? Am I overthinking it? But I mean, literally, and and it's almost waves. It's 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 almost as if it, not bipolar, but right. There's a day that you have a great day, and then it could be just the next day, and it's just downy dumps. Is that what you're seeing, or, or you know what? As a professional, am I overthinking it? Not overthinking it at all. It's it's all
1: trauma responses. That's what we're seeing. And and trauma responses can come out in so many different ways. It can come out in the forms of anxiety, in irritability. I've seen that a lot with parents and their children, just being super irritable. Um, it can come out in depression or lack of drive. and And all of these things are coming out in different ways, but people aren't able to really name what it is. And it is, it's this reaction to the trauma of the pandemic that is showing itself as depression, as anxiety, as overstressed, and and people aren't able to sleep and or they're sleeping too much, and all of these things are just messing with the brain chemistry and responses to other people and how people are engaging with one another. So yeah, definitely not overthinking it. It's 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 what we're experiencing, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what that thing is because people respond to trauma in different ways
0: so would this be one of those those bright lines straight line that people are not talking about when it comes to the labor shortage in the restaurant business a lot of people don't want to be in the restaurant business anymore from the way we treated them in the past to new flexibility they want to this emotional state Um, but as we start to lose employees can't find them they don't want to come in Is much of this a part of this mental health crisis that nobody's really talking about?
1: Very much so. Very much so. There was a study done a few months ago about how employees, 63%, 63% of employees feel that they are burnt out. And when they feel burnt out, they are two to three times more likely to either call off sick or to quit or to actively be looking for another job. So that is something that has compounded just having to work in an industry that already has a stigma to any sort of mental health challenges. And and the restaurant industry specifically, I've seen that, you know, I've worked with C-suite people, I've worked with all these different industries, and I've seen it mostly in the restaurant industry where it's like, it's just not talked about. You just come in, you get the work done, and then you go
0: Well, people self-medicate. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's all the partying that goes on and the the self-abuse from eating to drugs to alcohol. And it seems normal because it's the industry, but the truth of the matter is they're self-medicating. Now, here's kind of the deal. You and I talked, and and I I don't normally want to talk about what you do and your company until the end. But I think we need to start there because I want to talk about how your program can truly benefit each employer from reducing turnover and and labor costs to literally having happy people, becoming an employer of choice and how that can keep people in your business staying with you much longer. So talk a little bit about your Mental Health at Work program. What is that? Why did you create it?
1: Yeah, so the Mental Health at Work program came from a need, a very strong need for people to understand what mental health is, how to support people, how to connect with people who are struggling, um, understanding how to recognize the signs of mental illness, how to then support people. And we used to do this two day full day trainings and it took forever and people don't have time for that. And so we were realizing that if we can compound this two full day training into just two hours, that's it. And gamify it, make it fun, have fun scenarios so then people can practice it in this kind of virtual world that two hours is really all they need. And we actually just did a test study that people went through the training. They, they started to implement the things that they learned and it already started to increase the productivity of their employees because their employees felt like they were cared for. They knew that, if, that the people they work with could identify if they were struggling, even if the individual couldn't themselves, and say, "Hey, I'm noticing this is going on. Can I point you to some resources that can help you out? And so that's what mental health at work is. It's a, an online training program, two hours, that's all you need. You have a full year of access to the program so you can go back at any time. And then another piece is thing that I'm so excited to be able to offer to companies is they can call in. So we have a weekly, and depending on your package monthly, call-in times where you can check in and say, hey, this is what's going on at work. I don't know how to approach this employee. Do you have any resources I can give them? And that is the biggest thing that I think is missing is employees are looking for support, but they don't know where to go. And there are good therapists out there and there are bad therapists out there. So we want to connect people with therapists that actually know what they're doing, who are trained in depression specifically, or anxiety specifically, or organizations that have free resources so they don't have to use their own finances to pay for any sort of mental health services. So that's that's that other piece. It's the online training and then the call-in support that we're really excited to offer to businesses.
0: So basically you're saying you've got a program that very simple two-hour training, but it's going to teach me, the owner, the managers, especially to recognize somebody who's struggling and how to actually approach them to get them help. I mean, that's tremendous. Um, I love the support part of it. I know you and I talked quite a bit about that and how important it is that sure you got a great training, but often the training covers one thing, but you see something, maybe you don't recognize it in a person and it feels crisis. What do I do? And often Management owners and managers, they treat it as misbehavior or that they're they don't care and they should be trimmed from our from our team and and all these things that it's a, I don't know, behavioral issue issue of their choosing versus one that is just materializing. How can this truly benefit both the employer and the team members? So if I'm a manager or i'm a I'm a an owner, you know, what are the the, the couple of keys that, that make this program so powerful for them and vice versa? Kind of touch a little more. You started to talk about the benefit to the employee. Can you give me a little more light on that?
1: Yeah. So I would say the, the benefit I'm thinking of the business owner is turnover is huge. It's a huge cost to businesses. And so if you have an employee that's struggling and you can name that for them and approach them and say, hey. noticing you're struggling with this what here are some resources that i'm seeing that that can really help you or even just talking with them i mean i feel a lot of times business owners are very quick to go okay bye i'm not dealing with that but if they can just have one conversation and know how to have that conversation in a supportive way that employee then will notice that recognize that tell their friends about it. Say, I'm working at the best place ever. I had a panic attack and my boss knew what to do. Like That's huge. And then that helps to keep that employee engaged because they feel cared for. Then what happens when the employee feels cared for, they're gonna care for your customers because they feel loved, they're gonna love their customers. And that's huge too, because then you get all of the wonderful feedback and testimonials. Oh, it's a great place to eat. You gotta go there. Their staff is amazing. Yeah, their staff is amazing because they're not completely stressed out. They feel cared for and they're going to work hard for you because of it.
0: And that doesn't mean we're softening what the job has to do. They're still they still have pressure pressure situations to get things done in timing and follow and do the rules and cleanliness and all these things. We're not removing that. We're just giving them the skills to be able to deal with it and cope better. I mean, is am I understanding that properly?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and the additional supports, too.
0: Do do In the, in the discussions, as you train to recognize and have that conversation, does it come up that anybody should be worried about, uh, you know, talking medically to somebody and getting into any of the, the, the privacy issues or things like that? Or is that something that how you bring it up in conversation without going down that track? Is that something you teach?
1: Yeah, so we teach you how to observe warning signs. So if somebody who used to come into work on time all the time and now is is struggling to get to work on time, that's a red flag and that's something to check in with that person with. If somebody is, you know, used to be super productive and now they keep making mistakes on on dishes all the time and you're like what is going on? that's when you check in with that person and see what's happening. It's not necessarily teaching you how to diagnose and say, oh, that's anxiety, oh, that's depression. It's more of saying, here's some warning signs to look out for, this is what it could be, and here's the best way to support that person.
0: That's fantastic. So. I could be a rookie manager for that matter. It's the first time I've ever managed people. And this training is going to give me a leg up on anybody else who's been a, a 30-year veteran who's never cared about an employee enough to show appreciation, to recognize little things, stressors, if you will, that end up being bad behavior at work, which could be something bigger. That could literally be, let's get you some help. I mean, am I f- I mean is it that simple or...
1: It really is that simple. And, and I, I laugh because I wish people would understand this, that with knowledge comes change. And so if you can teach somebody how to identify these warning signs and then offer the support, that changes the whole system.
0: I, I can tell you as, a, as somebody who's grown up in this industry, I certainly wish I had those skill sets. Now, I think I'm a pretty empathetic person. I think I'm a a really good manager of people and uh, certainly take the time to give people benefit of the doubt and so on. But I've also been quick to react and go, get out of my team because I'm tired of the same behavior showing itself over and over again and just going straight to a write-up versus identifying this person may be struggling. And I can tell you from in just personal Um, You know, I've had family members struggle with alcohol and drug abuse, and I've had depression through all these, you know, through my family tree. And you sit there and go, a part of it is difficult because for so many years, those things are stigmas. Like nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to recognize it. In fact, you want to hide it because the moment you out yourself and say, I've got an issue, then people start to treat you differently at work at home, with friends, because they think it's something you're doing versus it's not really in your control. Does that sound right?
1: That sounds right. And there there's actually a way to help alleviate some of that stigma first is just talking about it, making it a normal thing. Um, I can't tell you how many people I know just in my own neighborhood that have had a panic attack. I wanna say half of my neighbors, half of my neighbors have had panic attacks in, at some point in their life it's it's a normal thing. People experience it for whatever reason. And, and to be able to support people in that is ph- phenomenal to say, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And let's just help reduce that stigma. There's also a, a workplace wellness action plan that is taught in that program in Mental Health at Work that talks you through, like, here are the things that you can do. And the employee and the employer fill it out together. And the employee can say, hey, You know, these are some things that that cause me additional stress and I may have a panic attack because of it. Okay, so here are some things as your boss that I'm gonna help to alleviate some of that or you know prevent that from happening as often. Especially I'm talking it's Veterans Day today, and I'm I'm thinking about people who've been through any sort of war. And I know when they're in like those loud situations, that's just a constant trauma response that people are having to deal with and manage. And it could be something as simple as having headphones. They can work with headphones or having them listen to music while they cook. Whatever it may be, that can help. And if the employee knows that you're going to support them with that, they're going to love working for you.
0: I think that's fantastic. I mean, I, you just talk about the the stressors and things like that. I can remember when I was at Famous Sam's, the stress of turning around a near bankrupt company to a, a a sale, and dealing with bank issues and franchisee conflict, and growing the company and doing all those things. I can remember driving into work one day having a panic attack. I'm sure it was a lot of it was was caffeine related, and uh, you know, I knew at some point in time in my life I was going to have a heart attack because my father had one, his father, uncle, and so on. And I drove myself to the emergency room, and it was purely a panic attack. Now, fortunately for me, I outgrew it, if you will. I don't know if I had coping skills or something happened in my life, but for a period of time, a year or so, it was it was dramatic. It would just make my heart just want to jump out of my chest for no reason whatsoever. And I got to believe that's happening more and more today to especially young people who've had Everything changed because of COVID. Everything getting ripped away from them. Life is not normal anymore. Um, mm-hmm. In your program, how do how does somebody really sit down and I've identified you've got a, a, a something that could be triggering a behavior that might be mental health. How do you sit down with that person? How do you prevent? Um, Prevent people from not wanting to seek help because again, the stigma behind it, is there anything they can do?
1: Yeah, it's, it's showing up as a listener. And so that's part of mental health at work. That training is to teach you how to actively listen. And it's not just sitting there and nodding your head. Like when you think of going to a therapist, they go, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But another part of it is just the body language that you have when sitting with somebody. So instead of sitting with your arms across your chest, you sit with your hands just gently in your lap and you're leaning forward because you're showing that you want to hear what they have to say. You don't interrupt, you don't interpret, you then reflect back what they say so they feel heard. So these are all therapy techniques that we learn in graduate school. But in the program, we're teaching you how to do that as well so then when a person feels like they're listened to they're going to share more they're going to feel more comfortable telling you what they need and once you know what they need then you can help them
0: so it's almost you know there's a lot of things when you go to interview they talk about mirroring your interviewer so that you've kind of kind of you match their energy it's the opposite in here instead of if i'm i'm a very intense person and i look at you and my arms are crossed or they're just i'm square on you I'm going to put you in a defensive position versus relaxed. And if I just open up just a little bit, it, those little triggers can truly make things relax and feel more comfortable. And you're literally teaching people things that you paid—I don't even want to tell you how much money you probably spend in grad school—but to really be able to take it up a level is it? Again, it sounds like it's so simple, but it's not. It's—it's it's, there's a lot of training behind what you're teaching people, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of training behind it. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll feel doing it, the more easy it will be. And that's why there's there's the year access to the program. So if any time you're like, okay, so what was I supposed to do? Here's the situation, let me go back to that clip and see, oh, that's how they talk about doing it. That's how I can approach it. So it, you can constantly go back and get information on the approach to somebody.
0: I can think as you're learning the approach, you say, oh, I tried, but they didn't want to open up. What would be some of the reasons why somebody wouldn't want to open up right away and say, I've got mental health uh, a challenge?
1: Well, I mean, we touched on it already is the stigma. The the other part is with the restaurant industry, people haven't been able to open up. This is something that is highly stigmatized, any sort of mental health challenge. And so it's it's earning the trust of that employee. And that takes time. And so the more you can just be there and let them know, hey, you know, if you're ever struggling with something, let me know, like, I'm I'm here to support you because we're here working as a team. H- however, it is to constantly say, I'm here as a listening person to help support you.
0: So if I'm sitting there talking to somebody and maybe in the counseling part of it, they don't want to open up stigma, all those things that you just talked about. Would you talk to them about what some of the pros and cons are or? Or do I just need to know what pros and cons are to interpret of really coming out and sharing that I've got a mental health issue? Is there any, you know, how can that help me as a manager of people to understand what those pros and cons are?
1: Being able to talk about being open, and and it comes from like we were talking about earlier. Mirroring, mirroring comes in a different way when you're talking about mental health issues. If you can mirror as a boss, as the owner of the restaurant, as the managers, that mental health is something that we talk about, that we support each other with, and to say, hey, you know, I've I've struggled with anxiety occasionally throughout my life. My perfectionism comes out big time in certain things that I do. And so when I can talk about that just with my team, they can see that, oh, it's it's okay. Like if the leader of this place is talking about it, then I can talk about it. And, it, and then they're going to talk about it in very little ways. They're going to drop their little hints just to see like, is it actually accepted? And they're going to test and see what is actually welcomed. And the more that you can mirror that and show support when somebody brings it up, the more the whole team and the culture will see that and the more other people will start to open up.
0: So my 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 mind is racing, and this is normally, I'm really energetic when I do interviews and things like this, but this is such a somber, serious topic. And, it, and again, it's a crisis in our industry. It has been, as you and I talked about, you've got family in the restaurant business, like you know firsthand the restaurant industry, just like I do. So it's not like you're just being a clinician and going, well, in the restaurant industry, like you've seen it firsthand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you look at this and you say, we can help people, but it's not only help people. Like if you're an owner and you're saying, well, why would I invest in this and I just go get another employee? Well, we're in a shortage of employees in the first place. The buzzword in the industry is appreciation, that employees wanna feel appreciated. They don't have to be liked, they have to be appreciated, Some part of something bigger, heard, you know, really being a part of the team. And then we sit there and say, well, the year is, is coming to an end. Fourth quarter, people analyzing whether they even want to, what do they want to do with their life in, in the next year? And so they start analyzing, maybe this is the job I give up and I want to go down another path. If you can help somebody go through this, it can really reduce turnover and your training costs. I mean, I think studies show it's like 6400 to $7,000 every time you turn over an employee from ads to uh, lost opportunities to burnt steaks and broken dishes and workers' comp and all these things, this program could really help you keep, retain, and maybe even find good employees. Like, am I, is that a reach to say that this program is not only just to help your people, but if you want to look at your bottom line, this could really start to make your profitability go up and keep good people for a lot longer?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because because people in the industry they talk, they know where the good restaurants are to work. They know where there's a a a boss that will yell at you for dropping something on the floor, and they know one that goes, "Oh, here, let me help you pick it up." Like they know what places are the ones to work at where they're going to be supported, and that's where they'll end up going. So instead of yelling and screaming and, and not supporting and not hearing the people that are working with you. And having them leave mass exodus, basically, they're then going to tell everybody else, don't come and work for you. But if you are the one who supports them, who makes them feel safe, who makes them feel appreciated, then more people are going to want to work for you and more quality people are going to want to work with
0: you. Okay. So let's say I'm listening to us right now, watching us. And I'm like, man, I want to learn more about this program. Where do I go to find out about it? like, do you have a website? Uh, How do I get there?
1: Yeah. So you can go to artfulwell.com. So A-R-T-F-U-L-W-E-L-L.com. And it gives you all of the information. There's a nice little tab in the center that says mental health at work for that specific program to learn more about just how we can implement that for you and what it looks like.
0: And it doesn't matter where I am. As far as in the United States, you could handle anybody and help them through this process, correct? Now, correct. what if I'm international? Uh, you may not have the resources there, but the same training, if you speak English, that would work for you?
1: That would work for you as well, yeah. It is all in English, and we're hoping to be able to have a Spanish translation in the next uh, four or five months.
0: Oh, fantastic. I, I, I'm i really glad that you, you came on with me today. Um, Again, it's an issue that that sits personal with me, family and, and what have you. And just because this is an industry that I love, uh, it is full of stress. It is full of um, people that shouldn't be managing because they not only don't recognize that somebody's having a struggle, they're bullies. And our industry can't do that anymore. In fact, that's why we're having the labor shortage we have today. I've talked about it in past podcasts about becoming an employer of choice. I've talked about how we should be re-recruiting our employees right now and thanking them for those who survived the pandemic with us, stayed with us, ask them why they stayed with us and what we can do to to keep them and make them happy. But I also want people to understand that it doesn't mean you're becoming soft. It doesn't mean you're lowering your standards. It doesn't mean that you're bending and whatever employees need and want, if it doesn't help the company that you're bending and so on. It's literally giving them the social skills, the personal skills to cope, be a good citizen, have a happy life, and be a good, fruitful employee, if you will. Does that sound accurate?
1: Absolutely. That sounds 100%
0: accurate. All right. So you and I have spent time together. I know you're really passionate about this. What keeps... What motivates you to, one, to have created this program and two, just to keep going because your job is as stressful, if not more stressful, because you take on everybody else's pain and struggles?
1: Well, I would say what what keeps me going is my upbringing. Actually, both of my parents were therapists and i actually didn't want to become a therapist growing up i i wanted to become an actor and so i did that had fun in chicago and then everything kept pulling me back to to working with people and working with their stories and supporting them and having them see a different trajectory in life also my brother's in the restaurant industry he has been since he was 15 and still is and and i hearing his struggles in the restaurant industry just breaks my heart to know that if these people would listen and support better, the whole restaurant would be so much happier. On top of that, having family members with mental health issues. Um, my father had had PTSD growing up, experiencing that, witnessing that. All of that keeps me going. That's That's my why. I want to make sure that people they're going to struggle. Everybody struggles, but I want people to know that when they are struggling, that they're going to be supported.
0: Again, why I'm drawn to you and why I really wanted to do this. We're going to have to do this again, but before we go, what can employees, let's say for some reason, somebody's listening to the podcast. They're not an owner. They're not a manager or I'm a manager owner and I want to share a little information. How can employees take care of themselves? I mean, do you have any tips for them?
1: Yeah, I want to I want to go beyond self-care cuz people talk about bubble baths and massages and things and the big thing is is boundaries. What boundaries can you put up for yourself to say no to things, to say yes to things for me, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Like I'm going to set that boundary very strong like time with my family is precious, so nothing comes in between that. Another way is there's tons of free resources out there for mental health services. There are organizations that if you don't have the funding to find a therapist within your um, health insurance premiums, whatever that may be, there are free organizations that have therapists that love what they do and can support you, even if it's just coming in and checking in once a month. Like anything to help where you can go and just lay it all out there, feel supported, say what you need to say, and then go back to your daily life. Like that that's what us as mental health therapists are there for. We are here to listen to you, to support you. And there are many free agencies out there that offer that.
0: It's easy Marshall, you're awesome. It, it, before we go, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share with people, whether it's an inspirational quote, an idea, a calling, or just a tip you wanted to give them before we go?
1: I would say just just take care of yourself. When you can take care of yourself then you can take care of others. And I think that that is another part of the training that we also teach you how to practice that self-care and to identify things within yourself that may be coming up that's affecting how you're interacting with employees. So take care of yourself so you can take care of
0: others. That's fantastic. Azizi, I wanna thank you so much for talking with us today. I hope we can do this again real soon. And I hope that your website gets floated with restaurant people who really wanna take their business to the next level and help their team, really feel appreciated and obviously take care of themselves and their mental health. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I wanna thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training, being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing, be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.